slide. Thank you. <laughs> That's a big step. Good evening. We had a delightful afternoon. We went to Chinese food for lunch and then went back to the pastor's home, watched the Bills game, and took a nap. Actually, probably took a nap and then watched the Bills game is probably a better uh, priority, but uh, had a very relaxing time. It's good to be here, and uh, we look forward to being, being uh, with you each time. Thank you, Pastor, for your kind comments and words about the brochures. Those are free. We did take a step of faith. It's still a step of faith. But it's been amazing to see God supply our needs. And uh, when we left New Yorkers, we didn't have any promise of salary or even income. And God has provided and met our needs. It's amazing how it happens. I have churches that give on a regular basis, uh, well, irregular basis, but it's, month, it's supposed to be monthly support. Some give quarterly and some give every other month. And uh, some give when they get in the mood, I guess. It comes once in a while, but it always comes when it's needed. And uh, God's timing is always just, just exactly right. It really has been a blessing. Very exciting. And God does some unusual things. I might be in a church and have a very low offering, don't even cover my expenses, and then the next church would be very generous, and God has been good in taking care of us and meeting our needs. 2020 will be a huge year uh, for my wife and I. We have a grandson graduated from Baptist University, Houston Baptist University, uh, he's planning to get married as well. His sister is graduating from high school, so they're planning the wedding a week after the graduation, so it's one trip for us, not two. Uh, that's in Texas. Then I have another granddaughter. I have a granddaughter that's getting married, uh, one on Memorial Day weekend, the other one on Labor Day weekend. Lord willing, uh, I will be graduating myself. I'm working on the final project for a doctorate at Maranatha Baptist University, and Lord willing, that'll happen as well. So we have, and Barb and I are going to celebrate our 50th wedding anniversary next year. Um, we, are, we have to work out a lot of details for what we're going to do. We don't have any idea what we're going to do for that. But, uh, and then we've got to find out someone to take care of Barb's mom so we can attend those weddings. She can't travel and so uh, we, we work, one of the, some of the family, Barb's sister and brother, we're working on that. And we hope that that's taken care of. So you might remember us in prayer. I have a couple busy weeks coming up. I will be in uh, Millerton, which is on the other side of the Hudson River, almost, to, it's 10 miles from Connecticut. Uh, in fact, to get there, I go through part of Massachusetts and part of Connecticut, but still in New York, believe it or not. But that's the shortest way of getting there. Then uh, the, the week after that, I'm at Gospel Community Church on Long Island in Saville, Long Island, and I have a couple other things going on during that time with student leadership conferences around the state as well, so it's going to be a time of uh, travel. Turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. This morning we looked at uh, the subject of truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So he made a link between truth and freedom, truth and liberty. Now in Galatians chapter 5, it says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Soul liberty or religious freedom is the Baptist gift to America. It was Baptist forefathers that insisted on 
the freedom of conscience, or what is called soul liberty. It's one of the Baptist distinctives. Barb and I have a new home. We bought a home a year ago. We have some bird feeders outside a pitcher window or patio door. And we enjoy watching the birds, and I've, I'm learning a lot about I didn't know, for instance, there are four or five different kinds of woodpeckers that, that feed on our, our suet that's sitting out there. I uh, learned to tell a little bit about what kind they are, and, and part of what I've learned is if, if the bird is blue, it's not a cardinal. Okay. And if it's red, it's not a blue jay. The way you can tell one bird from another is you look for distinctives or characteristics. Well, the Baptist distinctives are the things that, that mark a Baptist. Why we are Baptists. Bible, soul authority for faith and practice. This is the standard. We don't look to councils or creeds or bishops or popes or anyone. We look to the Word of God. We're people of the book. Autonomy of the local church, the A, means that we're self-supporting, self-propagating, self-governing. We don't look to a council again or a senate or a bishop to tell us as a Baptist church. This is an independent Baptist church. That means you're responsible for yourself. You have to pay your own bills. You have to govern yourself. That's your responsibility. P is the priesthood of the believer. That is, every believer has the ability to go directly to God through Jesus Christ. We have the ability to read the Word of God for ourselves. It doesn't have to be interpreted for us. We don't have to look to someone else to tell us what the Bible says. When I was 13, I visited my grandmother, who was Catholic, and her, her daughter, my grandfather's sister, that was a nun in their home. And uh, they were going to do their devotions one day, and I said, I think I'll just go out on the porch and read my Bible. They were horrified, because you can't, that book's not for you. That's, the priest tells you what to believe. No, no, we're a Baptist. We believe the Bible is for every man. God wrote it in such a way, and the Holy Spirit is our teacher that can help us understand it. The priesthood of the believer is a very important doctrine and concept. I is individual soul liberty, or sometimes you'll hear the, the I and the S reversed. Uh, I believe the S, I'm using this, is saved, immersed members. Uh, Dr. Weeks, that was my professor at Maranatha Baptist Bible College, felt that that next to the Bible was the most important Baptist distinctive. We believe that every individual is responsible. Uh, a saved membership, that is, every person coming into a church has to be a member. Now, the I or the liberty, soul liberty, individual soul liberty, means you have the ability to make decisions of faith yourself. Nobody can make them for you. The government can't edict. The gov- the, 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 your parents can't make you a Christian. You have to individually. I like to say I love my grandchildren. I have 12 of them. They're special. Every one of them is brilliant. Take after their mo- grandmother. But they are, you know, they're not Christians because grandpa was a preacher. Or their mom and dad are Christians. They have to make their own decisions for Christ. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. And so we're a child of God. The T is two ordinances. Uh, we did two ordinances. B-A-P-T. I, did, I skipped T, didn't I? B-A-P-T. 
two ordinances, baptism, the Lord's Supper, individual soul liberty, saved church membership, two officers is the T, and the last one is separation, particularly we think of separation of church and state, ecclesiastical separation, and ethical separation, separation from the world. Now, having said all that, the verse is stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has set you free. We have been set free by Jesus Christ. We have liberty. Liberty is a theme that's found throughout the scriptures. In Leviticus chapter 22, verse 10, there's a verse that says, Proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. The people of Philadelphia were going to celebrate their 50th anniversary as the founding of a city. They, they decided they would make, cast a bell. They would send to England, have a bell cast, and they wanted to know what they should put on it. It's the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. They said this verse proclaimed liberty throughout all the land to all the inhabitants thereof. America has been a country of liberty. Liberty is a very rare thing in the history of the world. We are blessed more than we realize. Now, liberty is used. The Lord Jesus, when he began his public ministry, went to the synagogue and read the passage in Isaiah that says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And part of his mission, he said, was to preach liberty to the captives. Liberty is used in several different ways in the, in the scriptures. The word itself is used for deliverance from slavery. The obvious first example was the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. They were set free. When God introduced the Ten Commandments to them, he reminded them that he had liberated them. He had set them free from slavery. And of course, that story is a picture of liberty from sin. We, have, uh, we saw this morning that whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin, so we were once in bondage. We were in slavery. We could not free ourselves. Jesus Christ had to come to break the bonds of sin and set us free. So it's used of slavery. It's used of, of uh, uh, sin. It's used of Satan. When you were saved, you were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You once were of your father the devil, but when you receive Christ as Savior, you are adopted into God's family. You're a new person in Christ. You've been set free from the bondage to Satan to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's soul liberty. Soul liberty is the idea that you have to make your own decisions of faith. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice, and will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. Christ knocks on your heart's door, you have to let him in. He will not knock the door down. He will not force you to become a Christian. You have to make your decision. Joshua stood before the people of Israel before his death and said, Choose you this day. You choose whether to serve the gods that our fathers served beyond the river or but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to make your own choice. That's liberty. That's liberty. Liberty was purchased by, with a high price. You have pictures on your walls of some of the price that was paid by Baptists in particular to guarantee our religious liberty. 
we are in danger of losing that liberty today in America. That's really the outline that I'm going to share with you, some of the threats to liberty. Threat number one is secularism. Beginning in the 1930s, a group of people called humanists put together a manifestation, or manifest, a humanist manifesto, which listed their beliefs and commitments. They were educators, philosophers, college professors, others. They gathered and put together this document. The first part, statement in it is, we find no evidence for God. We call that humanism because it says man will solve his own problems. There's no need for a deity. So it's humanism or sometimes called secularism. We're going to take God and remove him from our culture. The results of that have been tragic. William Barr gave an excellent speech. It's going to be in this issue of Arise. I'm quoting part of it there and a link to see the whole text if you want to read the whole text. He's a Roman Catholic, but he speaks very strongly about the high price we have paid because we have removed God from our culture. He talks about the breakdown of the family. He talks about homes, the high divorce rate. And he's, he basically says all, of the, all the results of secularism have been bad. He asks the question, it's called progressivism, but where's the progress? Things are falling apart. Now, the speech is about religious liberty and the importance of religion in public life. Now, he's kind of giving just religion in general, but I'm telling you what we need is a return to biblical Christianity. America needs to turn back to God. And unless we do that, we're in serious trouble. Things are falling apart. Our major cities are falling apart, literally falling apart. It's time for Christians to wake up and begin to reach out to others. The second thing is man will have a God. We've removed God out, so what has replaced God? It's statism, the worship of the state. So government's going to save us. Government's going to help us. Have you watched any of the Democratic debates? It's a giveaway program. They're outdoing themselves. We started with 20. The second one was 10. Then we went up to 12 last week. And it's, you know, we're going to have free college. We're going to have free medical care. We're going to have free this. And when they talked this time, they, they turned a little bit on Elizabeth Warren, who's the front runner. How are you going to pay for this? And they're not really telling you. Bernie Sanders is the only one that says we're going to raise your taxes. The rest don't want to say that. But there's nothing free about free health care. It just isn't. It isn't free. But see, what we're doing, instead of, instead of caring for one another, we're saying the state can solve the problem. So right now, there's a, there's a huge drug problem. Government ought to do something. Every time there's a shooting... What's the answer that you hear on the news? Government ought to pass some new laws. Gun control. Gun control laws don't work. If they did, Chicago would be the safest place in America because they have the strictest gun laws. It doesn't work. But it doesn't matter how much it fails, they keep going back the same thing. Socialism has failed every place it's ever been tried. 
Yet the Democratic Party now is racing more and more towards socialism. Government will take care of everything. Why, they're going to take care of you from the cradle to the grave. There's only a little cost, and that is you lose your freedom. See, the more government you have, the less freedom you have. The more freedom you have, the less government. That's the way it works. That's why our founding fathers established this country with limited government. Government limited in what it could do. Matthew 22, we won't take the time to turn there. Jesus was asked the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? His opponents thought they had him trapped. If he says, yes, pay taxes, the Jews will be offended. If he says, no, the Romans will accuse him of treason. So they thought, well, either way, we got him. So he pulls out a coin, and he says, whose image is on this? And they said, well, Caesar's. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to the Lord God the things that are God's. Now, I have a lot of books on separation of church and state. And a lot of those books quote that passage say, see, there it is, separation of church and state. But the church wasn't seen in Matthew. It was mentioned twice. Uh, Matthew 16, uh, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And found again in chapter, uh, I think that's 18, on discipline. If your brother offend you, go to him privately and then publicly, and then you tell it to the church. So it's the only places you'll find the church in Matthew until you get the Great Commission. Of course, that was given to the disciples. What is in view? Government is limited. Government's limited to the material things. Turn to Romans chapter 13. I'll just show you where the limit is. God spells it out fairly clear. Romans 13, one chapter, and God explains the biblical philosophy of government. We've looked at that before. We're going to drop down to verse uh, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth, loveth, hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, it, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, is briefly comprehended in this saying, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, those words should sound familiar. What are those? Actually, actually it's only five of the commandments. Why is that? There are two tablets to the law. Jesus was asked to summarize it. And he summarized the law this way. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and thy neighbor as thyself. Tablet number one is our relationship with God. No other gods before me, no idols, etc. And then tablet number two is our relationship with one another. Now, the word that covers both of them, love. Love God, love your neighbor. That's the law. That's the Ten Commandments. There is a bridge commandment on the first tablet, and that is honor thy father and mother. That's the one that bridges the two together. So we have actually three institutions established by God, all found in the Ten Commandments. First of all, our relationship with God, that's the ministry of the church. Then our family, honor thy father and mother, and then our relationship with one another, the outside world, that has to do with thou shalt not kill. That's the right to life. Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the sanctity of marriage. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's the right to a fair trial. You have to think about that one. But a person's not supposed to lie against you. Our rights are all found in the Ten Commandments. That's where they're from. Now, Jesus was limiting government to the material and the physical. They have no business trying to deal with the spiritual. It's out of their realm. Yeah. 
They have no business messing with the church. So we have statism as a threat. Where's the threat there? Well, right in the middle of the Democratic debate this last week, if you watched it, there was a commercial. The Freedom From Religion Foundation. This is a group that's been very active. If a lot of the stuff you hear about replacing, removing God from the pledge or in God we trust, that's a group that's backing that. That's who, who those people are. They're atheists, agnostics, and others. The Democratic uh, Party uh, met and they worked on some principles and they specifically welcomed agnostics, humanists, secularists, etc., because we share the same values. That's what they said. Now think about that. The Democratic Party is not the party of my grandparents. It's a different ballgame now. It's not the party of John Kennedy or Harry Truman or even Roosevelt. It's a whole different ballgame. And it's become radically socialist. They're moving very rapidly. The 12 people on the platform the other night, there's only one that was sensible and she's being criticized by Hillary Clinton. That commercial featured Ronald Reagan, the son, Ronnie Reagan, the son of Ronald Reagan, the former president, or late president, in which he said he was concerned about separation of church and state as the fathers intended. The founding fathers had no intention of removing God from society. Far from it. Their writings were filled with references to God. In fact, they said it's impossible to govern without God in the Bible. Washington said that. You have a picture in your foyer, I noticed. God was very much on their minds and in their hearts. It was not a secular society. Then Ronnie Reagan ended the little 30-second commercial by saying, I'm Ronald Reagan, I'm an atheist, and I'm not afraid to burn in hell. Now, i got to tell you, if I was God, I'd have shot a bolt of lightning right there on the spot. But you know why he didn't? Because God is long-suffering toward us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, his father said that we in our country have made a huge mistake by flipping. He said, I think we've changed the First Amendment to say instead of uh, we've actually reversed it. The, second, the First Amendment says, Congress shall make no laws establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The First Amendment was written to protect churches. But we flipped it now so it's being used to protect the state from churches. It's exactly backwards. He said, if we ever forget we're one nation under God, we'll become a nation gone under. We have a threat from statism, secularism. Sexism is where the battle is being waged in particular right now. Sexism is the idea of the LGBTQ uh, rights. Now that's lesbian, gays, uh, etc. The T, B is bisexual, or yeah, bisexual, T is transsexual. The Q is questioning, those are people that don't know what they are. On the paper that your pastor printed for you from David Cloud, he, he quotes a story, reports a story. Beto O'Rourke said it in an interview this last week on CNN 
that was asked the question, should churches lose their tax exemption if they don't support same-sex marriage? Now, that's the part I heard. David Cloud makes reference to if you don't support the LGBTQ. P. Do you know what the P is? Now, he said it, and I've, I know I see this in their writings. The homosexuals and others are getting together with a large group of perverts. Do you know what the P stands for? Pedophiles. Pedophiles. That's what it is. They want to say now, minor is not a crime. Well, we've got kids here, so I'm going to t- you, you know what the problem is. This is bizarre. It's horrible. And yet, what's standing in the way of the homosexual agenda? It's churches. It's churches. So they are upset. Then there's a threat from Satan. Satanism is growing throughout the country. When Ronald Reagan was elected president, the witches of America, there is such a thing, gathered and said they were going to have a special service once a month in the full moon to pray a curse on the President of the United States. They're praying against the President. You and I ought to be praying for the President. In fact, we ought to pray more earnestly than ever before. But it's not just the open. Uh, Pastor and I were talking a little bit about Halloween. You do what you want to on Halloween. I don't observe it. I just, if people take it too seriously, I know it's a fun thing for kids, but there's too much stuff. I worked with the sheriff's department, and we found every year kids that had gone house to house, picked up candy that had been tainted, and, you know, we just said, I am not going to do it. So I don't know what we're going to do this year. Last year we went to church. That solved that problem. This year we may just sit in church by ourselves, but we're going to do some. <laughs> Turn the light off and, you know, I tell the neighbor kids, come by tomorrow, I'll give you candy. But I'm not going to do it on Halloween. Just not going to do it. But the reason for that, there are people that take that serious, folks. It's not just a game to them. I see all these shops opening up. The Sears is closed at our mall. It's now a Halloween center. And we have people in our neighborhood that decorate their houses more for Halloween than they do for Christmas. When I was a pastor at... uh, First Baptist in West Seneca, we had a neighbor that had a huge Halloween display. I mean, he spent a lot of money on this thing. And I went up to their house. I had Christmas, too. It was a big display. I said, you folks must be Christians. No, we're not. We just like to celebrate. Well, if you don't know Christ, how do you celebrate Christmas? And Halloween, if you're celebrating that, I don't know. But anyway, it's not just open Satanism, though. It is also... Militant Islam. That's the devil's religion. They are worshiping Satan. Their God is not our God. Every once in a while I hear somebody say that, including politicians, especially politicians, that we serve the same God. No, we don't. No, not at all. Their God is fickle. Our God is faithful. Their God is vengeful. Our God is loving. In, our, in Christianity, God sent his son to die for us. In Islam, you give your sons to die for Allah. Total difference. No, it's not the same. And they are militant. And it continues. They want to stamp out. Read some of the stuff that these people are writing. 
They want to behead Christians. That's their goal. That's what they're saying. They're a serious threat to liberty. Saudi Arabia is underwriting the building of mosques in the United States. There are thousands of them now. I'm not sure exactly the number. I counted one time in New York, and there was over 100 now in New York. They're funding it. Do you know how many churches are in Saudi Arabia? None. It's illegal. We're helping Saudi Arabia defend itself, but our military chaplains cannot wear a cross on their uniform because that would be offensive to them. I don't blame the president for being kind of disgusted with the Middle East. I think it's, it's a quagmire over there. But these, these are people for whom Christ, they need the gospel. We need to, to support ministries that are reaching, and there are ministries reaching into the Islamic world. And there are people turning away from Islam to turn to Christ. It's amazing what God is doing today. But there's a rise in militant Islam, but not only militant Islam, militant Hinduism. India has passed laws against witnessing to people. Anti-conversion laws. It's no longer legal to witness to somebody of another faith in this, most of India. Uh, one of our independent Baptist pastors just was over there. Uh, just came back. I haven't talked to him since he came back, but he asked for prayer. I didn't name him because I didn't want the authorities to know. Because in India, if you come in and they know you're a preacher, they won't let you into the country. They won't let you in. I have a friend that conducts services over there for, for Islam, Buddhists, Hindus. I introduce them to Christianity. He calls them seeker conferences. He raises the money, goes over there. He's had as many as 450 in a motel uh, conference center. They have to kind of meet in secret uh, because if they are open, they can shut them down and will shut them down, even jail, put them in jail. Uh, we have freedom to proclaim the gospel. But for how much longer? We need to seize the opportunity while we have it. There's one last threat to our liberty, and that's what I call selfism. See, our biggest threat to our liberty is ourselves. Our indifference, our ignorance... It's very easy to get snagged again in sinful practices. In the context in Galatians, Paul is concerned about the Galatians who have been taught by some Judaizers, people that profess Christ, came to them and said, receiving Christ as your personal Savior is wonderful, but now you need to keep the law, you need to be circumcised, etc. So they mixed law and grace together. And when you do that, you no longer have Christianity. You have another gospel. If anyone, even an angel from heaven, preach unto you another gospel which you have not received, let him be accursed. That's strong language from Galatians chapter 1. Galatians is a very strong letter rebuking the false teaching of legalism. You're not going to grow as a Christian by just keeping the law or rules. Christianity is a relationship. How did we describe the law? The real meaning of the law, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and mind and soul, and the second part, thy neighbor as thyself. Loving God. Now, will that change the way you live? Absolutely. But your motivation is not keeping certain rules. It's following the Lord Jesus Christ. 
making him the head of your life, the center of your life, your commander-in-chief, your guide, your director, the one who guides your steps. He alone can keep us free. Stand fast is the command. Stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. Be entangled not again with the yoke of bondage. Freedom once lost by a nation has seldom been regained in the history of the world. America is in danger of losing its freedom unless Christians stand up and make a difference. But not only the country, we as individuals need to remain free. We have been liberated. We're being sa- we were saved from sin. We're being saved now from the practice of sin. Someday we're going to be saved from the very presence of sin forever. We are a free people. Let's use that freedom to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, God, that if there's someone here that's got themselves entangled again, that yoke of bondage, simply trying to keep rules and regulations, and they forgot that Christianity is primarily a relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that tonight would be their night when they'd return. Or maybe, Lord, there's someone who's gotten snagged by some sinful practice. And even though they were set free, they've gone back to the old way of life. I pray that you would convict them as well and give them a new start. And Father, I don't know everyone here. Maybe there's someone here they've never received Christ as Savior. I pray that tonight would be their night of decision. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Dave.